Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Tuesday, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's up? What's going on, Luke? How you doing, bud? Good. The Suns have added another player. Okay. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> you got right into it right there, right? <laughs> exactly. Actually, you know what? I'm not good. I'm feeling a little late right now. Why are, are you, you not good? Because while you were listening to Metallica in the other room, yes, I ran course. to get food. Yes. And I just went into like the grocery store that's near here, right? Because I didn't, I didn't want to like risk waiting in line at some place. And they're like, okay. hey, you know, the person in front of you is always like, do you guys sell food here? And then they take like 25 minutes ordering Yo. something. So I go to the grocery store and there's like two cars in the parking lot. And as I'm going to put my stuff in the car, somebody parks right next to the driver's side of mine so I can't get in. Oh, you're kidding. I have to have this space right Oh, my here. goodness. You've got to be kidding me. And so, you know what? I, I love going to the grocery store, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's like hunting. It is, <laughs> you, you know? Take Wolf to the grocery I mean, store and just, film it. There you are, man. You got a cart, and you're, you're in there, and you're grabbing stuff. Just in there hunting. I love it, man. It's one of the coolest things to do, right? Oh, you need me to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the grocery store. Yeah, well, give me the list. I got the list. I love it. It's fulfilling, isn't it, basically? You got the list in your hand, and you're just going to go to the grocery store, and I'll take this, and I'll take this. Oh, it's on the list. And then, of course, there's always the impulse buy, and you just start gunning stuff into well, your car. That's where you go away from A to B. The list is A to B, which you love. <laughs> the impulse buy is... Which I'm so good. Yes, I'm so good, A to B. Do you just, like, stab stuff with a spear? Like, you send Wolf to go get flour, and he comes back with a bag of flour that's just yeah. leaking everywhere? Yeah, okay. it is, man. Give me that loaf of bread, bruh. Well, um... The Suns did add Thaddeus Young uh, about an hour-ish ago, a little over an hour ago. So they get a 17-year vet that has honestly been linked to the Suns, I feel like, not quite as long as Eric Gordon had. Eric Gordon, I feel like, has been linked to the Suns since his career started. Yeah, Thaddeus Young has been in the league since 2007, but I feel like for the last couple years... It's been, hey, you know, maybe they'll go get Thaddeus Young, or hey, maybe Toronto will buy out Thaddeus Young and he'll be available. Well, turns out he was available, and the Suns add him this morning. Yeah, you know, for me, once again, this is some really good frontline depth, I think, for the Phoenix Suns. This is a veteran guy. He's 35 years old, of course. He's been around for a long, long time. He's a guy that's going to be a banger. He's just another body that's going to come in here and provide a little bit more depth, I think, in the front line for the Phoenix Suns. Um, I mean, I don't want to say this is going to suddenly win them a championship, but you never know, Basin Arnins. He's the ultimate glue guy. He's a glue guy. That's what he is. Thaddeus Young is a glue guy. He's going to add depth. How much he actually plays, especially in the playoff rotation, that's uh, up in the air. Yeah, you're giving Frank Vogel more options. Um, you know, we went through this last week when they traded for Royce O'Neal, and you start to, if you put Royce O'Neal in the playoff rotation, which I, I'm going to assume you can, then you already have seven, probably not going over nine most nights. I mean, you you may you may incorporate a tenth just because of matchups or whatever, you know, a different player may play more in a different round of the playoffs, depending who you're playing, but it doesn't hurt to have depth. And now the Suns are at the roster minimum and they actually can still add one more player through the buyout market if they want. Their options in the buyout market are limited because they can't go over that $12.4 million threshold if a player's on a contract for that this year. But Thaddeus Young was not. And like you said, they get a guy, they get some front court depth and 
He doesn't shoot a ton, but when he does this season, he's shooting 62%, so he's not going to waste his shots. Yeah, you know what's really cool about that is Young as well is the scouting reports that I've been reading on him, and you know how big I am. It's the person base in Orleans. It's not just the player. It's the person, and it, you knew that James Jones, of course, was looking at Thaddeus Young and looking at this team and the chemistry on this team and the culture of this team and the fact that they've won 17 games in their last 24. And looking at a veteran guy like this, there is no way in the world you're going to bring him in unless he is totally 100 squared away in, in regard to being a good teammate. And all the scouting reports out there, everything that I'm reading about Thaddeus Young, is this guy is first class. A strong, strong teammate all the way and a very good, very quick defensive mind. Here's James Jones last week when he was asked what he wants from the buyout market. More shooting, more defense, more passing, more rebounding. Um, When we look at our team, we like where we are, but we always feel like we can get better. And it's, it's tough this time of year because you always have to make these decisions. These are people decisions where you're uh, bringing on players that can help you, but you're also losing players that help you get to where you are. Uh, so even though it's uh, a part of the business, you know, we, we take it personally uh, because you, you're you talking about building team chemistry. And uh, in order to do that, you have to have good people. And so we lost some good people. We got some good people back. And hopefully uh, the next couple of weeks, uh, the next month or so, affords us the opportunity to continue to build on our our chemistry. There was more shooting, more defense, more passing, more rebounds. That's everything, isn't it? Yeah, no, that is. That's that's got everything covered right there. But again, you know, I think you're bringing another guy in, a very stable player. I think you're bringing him in. I think that only is going to enhance what they already have going inside that locker room. So I'm, I'm encouraged by it. This is great. Like I said, um, I don't know how how many games it's going to win the Phoenix Suns going forward, but um, there's nothing wrong with adding a veteran guy like this who's only going to give Frank Vogel more options, as you said, with that front line. Yeah, no risk, you know, and maybe he turns into something that you need. And you know what Thaddeus Young is, too, so you're not even really taking a flyer. I think he will be something that they have identified that they need. Uh, you mentioned it, Suns 17-7 and in their last 24 since Christmas. Back at it tonight. Hosting Sacramento, then they'll host Monty Williams, Detroit Pistons tomorrow, and then they are off for the All-Star break. And it's funny, when you say 17-7, and that's a really good record over the last 24. And I did a radio hit in a different market yesterday, and I'm not kidding you, Wolf. Super Bowl, day after the Super Bowl, everything, the first thing they asked me, what's wrong with the Phoenix Suns? I was like, well, they're they're 17 and 7 in their last 24. What does everybody want? Wow, yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting. Again, it goes back to expectation, doesn't it? It goes back to expectation. And I just said interesting once again. And honestly, I didn't know this was a thing. And now you guys got me thinking about it. Every time I actually say interesting, I'm like, wow, do I really say it that much? And you know what? That's kind (laughs) of interesting. (laughs) Hey, Mel, tell me. Tell me, do I really say it that much? Enough that it was in the Vegas Open. <laughs> over, under. And everybody took the over. Okay. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to work on that, Bezoni. I don't know if that. this helps or makes it worse, 
I don't notice it. Okay. So, but maybe that means you say it so much that I don't notice it. I don't. Or maybe you say it, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm just we, saying. We do have audio footage of the show, so we, we can prove who's saying okay, it. Okay, we all have our little ticks, do we not, Basinonians? Yes, we do. Um, you know, I, these last two games uh, going into the All Star break right now. Wouldn't you love 19 and 7? Wouldn't you love to get above this? I would love for the Phoenix Suns to win these last two games and to have strong fourth quarters going into the break. Wouldn't that be nice, especially against Detroit, where, oh, Detroit is one of the worst teams, if not the worst team, the worst team in the association right now. Um, good. Go out and treat them as such. Right before you go on the All Star break, well, Detroit Detroit's four and six in their last ten. Yeah, they're they're on a roll right now, but overall they're not good. They have doubled their win total in their last ten games. Well, there you go. They're eight and forty four in the season. Uh, here's Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal agrees with you. Obviously, get two wins. You know, uh, we got to take it a game at a time first. But Sack is a tough opponent. You know, we played him very tough last time right here. I think what, that's the game. Kitty hit the game winner. So you know, it's a that was a really tough game, really fast-paced game. We we seen what pace looks like. Uh, so we got our hands full tomorrow night for sure. So bonus is playing at an elite level. Um, so we got to make sure we we contain them, slow them down, and try to get to this break with with two more wins and keep us at a good five. Yeah, that's not very specific when you say the game KD hit the game winner because he does that a lot. Actually, he had a couple of free throws to close that one out. That was the game where they were down by 22 with eight minutes left, and then they went on a 32-8 run to end the game, and they beat Sacramento 119-117. to They're 1-2 and two against the Kings this season. They still have another game against them after tonight, and there's a very good chance that they meet them in the playoffs. So these games... These games are, especially the one tonight, and we'll focus more on Detroit tomorrow, but the one tonight, this is a challenge. And you figure Sacramento probably has a sense of wanting some revenge in this one, too. Yeah, 2-1 the series, right? The yes. series right now. Season series 2-1 right now. they got two more games left. 2-1 for the Kings, yeah. Yeah, this would be nice. Uh, all right, we come back. Do the Cardinals control the 2024 NFL draft? Some people think so, and we'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Wednesday. We will wrap up the NFL season with Mark Schlereth and transition right into baseball. D-backs first workout. Spring training is here. Starting at 6 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, this uh, post on X by ESPN's Matt Miller really does kind of say it all, Wolf. He says these teams are set to control the draft, and he has four, okay? He's got the Bears, two picks in the top ten. He's got the Packers, five picks in the top hundred. He's got the Commanders, six picks in the top 102. And Commanders. the Cardinals, seven picks in the top 104. Those are his four teams that will control the draft. In fact, to be fair, he has the Cardinals listed first. I just read them backwards for dramatic effect. Yeah. Um, you know what? How, how nice is that, honestly, to have seven picks and the first 91 picks of the draft. I think that is absolutely huge right there. The Arizona Cardinals have a lot of needs, as we all know, and you have to wonder if Monty is going to possibly trade down again if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not there, even if he is there, even if he is. Mm. This is, I, no. I know, and it's going to be really hard. You know I'm going to be crying. Somebody give me the Kleenex on that one right there. Let, let's, let, before you finish but, what you're saying, let's hash this out first. Which is worse, 
he's not there or he's there and the Cardinals don't take him? Oh, he's there and the Cardinals That's, that one's pass right. yeah, on. I'm with and, you. Okay. and again, ultimately, I will trust Monty Osenfor because I think the guy is that good. Okay, we'll I think see. he's earned that so far, but I think I'm going to hate it that. in the moment. But in the moment, I will. Uh, somebody, the barf bag, please. We, we should bring some to the draft show. Um, <laughs> just we'll just have like five barf bags, just in case. Right. It's just going to be really hard because again, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is a rare, rare talent, and I think he's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals need in terms of a wide receiver coming in here and changing. There are so many similarities. I, I know they, they say Rome Adunze has a lot of similarities to Larry Fitzgerald, and he does physically. He does. I, I would say Marvin Harrison Jr. is a little taller. He's a, he's a little more slim than Larry Fitzgerald. Randy Moss. Larry, Larry had some bought to him. He just, he did. I like well, I'm just saying. Larry, and, and Larry knows it better than anybody else. <laughs> How did else. you know he was going to say He just, I, I know, he, he just knows um, that, you know, um, th- there are certain guys that have body types, and Larry knew he had a lot of, yeah, he had, a, he had that body type for a wide receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr. does not look like that. So, a couple things you just said there. First, here's Lance Zerline. We talked to him last week, and like you said, he had Roma Dunze there for the Cardinals at number four, because he had Marvin Harrison Jr. already off the board, but his comp for Odunze is Larry Fitzgerald. Once I got through with the tape, I realized Penix looked better on television because of Adunze. And I think uh, when he runs in the, in the, lo- in the low to mid four, four range, when you see his size, his ability to win the contested catch, I think people are going to take a look at Larry Fitzgerald. That's my comp on him mm. is I believe he's got some Larry Fitzgerald qualities to him. And so that's one of the reasons I felt like it made a lot of sense. Uh, Malik Neighbors is a guy who I think might be the most talented receiver in the entire draft. But Adunze is a, is a guy that could remind the Bedwells and, and maybe the entire organization of Fitzgerald. He's a great kid. A lot of them, coaches at Washington raved about him. So um, it's not a wolf. It's not a bad. <laughs> it's not a bad uh, uh, number two wide receiver for you. In fact, either is Malik Neighbor. So if you really want wide receiver, the top three guys in this draft are really, really good. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye! Oh yay, oh yay! The King announces a new mock draft. <laughs> There's more mocks. <laughs> Wait, who's the King in this case, though? Is it is it Chad Reuter? Or did yes. I miss? Okay, I just wanted to make sure that like Mel Kuyper hadn't just announced one like in the five seconds that okay, we were playing. Okay, yeah, right. Um, Chad so, Reuter. So in... A three-round mock. Yeah, and, and what Lance Zerline just said right there, he kind of casually threw it in. Malik Neighbors might be the most talented. Is that what he said? Most talented receiver in this draft? Yeah. It was in the middle of that whole Roma-Dunze comparison where he was talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., but he said Malik Neighbors might be the most talented. Now, Reuters mock drafts has trades, and it's three rounds on NFL.com, and it, if you don't know specifically what you're looking for, it'll give you, you know, that can give you a headache. Yeah. Um, but he has the Cardinals. He has Marvin Harrison Jr. gone to the Bears at three. That gave me a headache. Then so he has the Cardinals at four trading down with Denver. Denver moves up. Denver gets uh, Drake May. The point of all this, though, is he has yeah. the Cardinals at 12 taking Malik Neighbors. So still, even with a trade down, still yeah. taking a receiver with their first pick. Yeah, there you go. Right there. You know, honestly, anytime I see a mock draft, 
that has trades. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is that? I, 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 Chad, I, I don't even know you, Chad. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy trade. <laughs> Hell, that is so wow, good. So yes, yeah, so it's Crazy. <laughs> I like the one with Wolf at the end going, crazy. crazy. <laughs> um, it, it is. It's just like, what are you doing? They're, they mock drafts of themselves are laughable when you see the results at the end of even a first round mock. A first round mock. And how many guys get the, the picks wrong for the most part, right? So I'm not attacking anybody. The, the only thing worse then, then a, a, a first-round mock draft is a two-round mock draft. And the only thing worse than a two-round mock draft is a three-round mock draft. And the only thing worse than mock drafts, period, are mock, tra- mock drafts that have trades. Counterpoint. It's he has, just impossible. He has the Cardinals taking Graham Barton in the second round. Does that you know change what? your opinion? I, you know what it does? Now all of a sudden we, get, we, we return to some sanity right here. It really is something interesting that Chad Reuter has Graham Barton on his radar at number 35. The 35 pick overall. This is going to be a dicey proposition right here with Graham Barton. He's good enough to sneak into the first round, the back end of the first round. He's good enough to do that. Or he might go really early in the second round. It's That's... Man, if we get Graham Barton, my guy, Graham Barton at number 35, I'm just going to, I love a parade. Don't play it. You don't have to. Somebody give me the baton and I will lead that parade because that guy is a brawler. Um, I'm going to go back. This is Jonathan Gannon when he was on with us almost a year ago. Okay, so this is February 16th of 2023. Seriously, almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. We should play this on the anniversary, except that'll be uh, that'll be Friday. Okay. Uh, this is Gannon's philosophy on the top of the draft. Yeah, my philosophy to the top of the draft is 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 uh, don't keep it simple. And uh, if a player is an outstanding college player and you have a vision for how he's going to come impact your team, you take him. You don't get cute about it. You take him. Um, there, we do know that there are premium positions that we have on both offense and defense, and we'll look to add a premium position player um, if 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 it's right. Yeah, but that was before last year's draft. That was before last year's draft, right? And you know, listen, Malik Neighbors. I hear a lot of really, really good things about him, and it certainly fits the model of Monty trading back into the draft, right? Chad Reuter says what they'd get a first round pick in twenty twenty five, and a third round this, and year. a third. That's and right, another, and th- another third round pick. This year, if they were to do that, I would imagine that's going to be tempting. It comes down to the Arizona Cardinals looking at a Marvin Harrison Jr. and saying this guy is generational. He is a generational talent or not. You have to make that determination yeah. before you make any type of deal to move down. I don't know. I, I, the more we look at all this stuff, I mean, they have such a need at receiver that I just feel like they need to get one of those top three. Really? Now, I want Marvin Harrison Jr., and if he's there, I, I don't think you overthink it. I, I, You know, this this is very hypothetical, right? I mean, this is a mock draft with a mock trade mixed into it. If you're telling me I could have Marvin Harrison Jr. or I could have Malik Neighbors and a first-round pick and a third-round pick, yeah, I mean, that would be tempting. I, I But 
just because Neighbors is supposed to be really good and he was really good in college, but I don't know. At a certain point, they have so many picks. I'd rather just have the not sure thing. Marvin Harrison, nobody's a sure thing. I get it. But, man, he's about the closest thing to a sure thing as you're going to get when you consider his size, his production, his bloodlines, like what he grew up around the NFL, like all these things. You feel pretty good that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to step in and contribute in year one. Yeah, you know, if it, one of the things Chad Reuter had as well, and again, um, I, a three-round mock is ridiculous, especially when it has trades in it, base and earnings. But it's it's a fun exercise, and I'm sure, and it's it's fun to sit around and talk about it and not take it so seriously, I guess. But he also had in the third round the Arizona Cardinals drafting Audric Estime. Did you see this guy running back Notre from Dame. Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see this guy right here? Okay, 5'11", 230. <laughs> over and 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 over again. <laughs> does it hurt? Does it hurt, my friends? It does hurt. You have no idea what it's like to tackle some dude who's got a square jaw and square shoulders, who's 5'11 and 230 pounds. It all hurts. I, all I know is when I was reading through this this mock, I was like, Wolf's going to hate the trades, and he's going he's gonna to roll his eyes. And then I saw Graham Barton, and I was like, Wolf's all in on this mock. <laughs> uh, have you subscribed to the Wolf and Luke Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Wolf and Luke Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. When we come back... What were Lorenzo Alexander's biggest takeaways from the Super Bowl on Sunday? We're going to ask the 15-year NFL vet in the lowdown next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The energy and passion he brings to the game is something I think that's contagious. Intercepted by Lorenzo Alexander. Now he laterals to a keep to leave. When you talk about a great pro that you wish every one of your players would emulate. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. A blue collar appeals to coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. All right, football season is over. Wolf and I came to that realization around 1 o'clock yesterday, but it doesn't have to feel like it yet, Wolf. <laughs> Lorenzo Alexander is here. We can extend the season by a little bit, so what's going on, man? I'm doing great. Uh, back in town, getting back into my routine. I was actually out all last week, Tuesday, got back yesterday. Um, I work with the Legends community helping guys transition, and so we had to go out there, play some golf, hung out with some guys, got to meet some guys, did some trainings, and so it was a really cool experience for me. Felt like, you know, three months, you know, being in Vegas. <laughs> and typically, I'm an in-and-out guy when, yeah. I, when I'm dealing with Vegas, but it's always good with the, the reunions that you get to have as far as guys that you play with. And you just, you just, it just reminds me of just how cool that group is. And I'm always humbled, you know, when I see guys and the impact that I had on that I was unaware of. And and that's yeah. really just Whoa. Christ living through me, impacting guys. But God, Amen, I just bro. really appreciate what you said. I'm like, I don't even remember <laughs> saying that, right? And so it just always is a good reminder of 
one to dive in, making sure that I'm I'm walking the, the walk, right? Mm-hmm. Following Christ's heart because you're always going to have these opportunities to impact people, right? And you want to make sure you're doing it the most effective way. And so I'm just always constantly reminded that when I have these conversations and seeing where guys are at. You know, it's amazing. Cool. You reflect his light to those around you. Right, and yeah. that's something you do on a regular basis. No, I appreciate that. So overall, great week. My daughter got to play in a little flag game down there too, which was cool. Uh, and so, and then it was obviously um, ended off with a great game. I mean, being able to sit in the stands and watch it, um, you know, it's, it's that's probably, I think I shared this yesterday on air with the, with the morning show. That game is probably the only game that still I have anxiety around or f- emotional feelings around because I never played in one. And, yeah. it's, and it's something that I can mm. never... I can never achieve now that I'm done, right? Um, you know, I did everything else in regular season, playing the playoff game, but that one in itself where I never got to do that, I still have a little bit of like, man, do I really want to be here right now? <laughs> so how many, how, how many playoff games did you play in? Can I ask well, you? Well, I've that? never won one. I think I was in like three or four. See, I... I, I Never right. was in a playoff. Yeah, game. see, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't just take sit it there and granted. I marvel. Right. Yeah, I marvel at that. What was that like? You know, <laughs> it, was, it was an intensity level. You know what the intensity yeah, level is right. in preseason. And then yeah. you know what it's like in the regular season. And then you know what it's like when it gets near the end of the regular season. I mean, there's there's a different level of up. intensity. And I always sure. wondered what was it what was it like to be in a playoff game to go out there and know, oh man, you know. Right. Never did it. Wolf in a playoff game would be like. Never I feel like you, you would get you would get some I, sort of penalty before the kickoff, <laughs> and then they'd be like, "Okay, now now Wolf's good." Yeah, I I don't know. Never did it. That one that. So I know how you feel yeah. when you're talking about right. That. Uh, okay, now you both know how I feel when I watch a preseason. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the way that game built, and I and I rewatched it uh, yesterday, but. Just, you know, the first quarter was like, okay, it's kind of quiet, but you could tell something was coming. And the was it quiet? Quarter, People keep saying that. What? I mean, quiet offensively. I mean, yeah. defensively, the guys was out there hunting it up. Balling. I loved it. I mean, I, I'm with you. I just like to watch good football. People keep yeah, saying they want to see a thousand I points know, scored. Man. But me and Wolf said it was going to be a low scoring game. Maybe you know did. The you defense, said 2017. Yeah, I was close. And then somebody asked me that morning. I said, uh, probably 24 21. Which is, you well, know, that's almost what it actually I know, was. Right. Yeah. yeah, just points <laughs> off. But I, I knew these defenses were going to come out, right? When you have a week off sometimes it, it, for an offense, you kind of lose that rhythm. But when you come out with all the emotion from a defensive standpoint, right, we saw the 49ers defensive line really stand up because they didn't blitz uh, Mahomes really at all. Um, And those guys was all over the place. They had a high, you know, pressure, had some sacks, and they were able to stop the run. Uh, So it was was just a good game. I mean, just guys flying around. I hate that... uh, it was a Greenlaw? Yeah, that was oh, that was a, that was a huge because it was some oh. it was some plays in that game where his replacement I, and I, I'm I'm guessing he was younger, just not having a lot of experience, where he would have made a difference. Yeah, and that came out to be a big you know I think factor in them not being able to position themselves amongst some other things uh, where they wanted to be. Well, they were making it. They were stopping Kansas City until he got hurt, and then they right. weren't. I know it's not quite that simple, yeah. but it's like that's. I'd almost rather not play in the Super Bowl than tear my Achilles running out onto the field. That's that's rough. Yeah, I think you know um, you got Dre Greenlaw, of course, and Fred Warner. Both those guys. Um, a lot of the task of covering Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. in that first half. That's they what they shut were him down doing. The right. They were doing a really good job in that first half, and then it just got sideways. But I'm with you on this. This was a contested game. Right. This was a. Com- 
competitive game. The struggle was real, mm-hmm. and I love that. To me, that's what football should be. Right. It's hard. It is And hard. it should be hard to play the game, and it should be hard to actually— I love when you've got a game that is a, a defensive-minded game because, to me, every play— it brings special teams into play like no other game. Mm-hmm. Every play, every punt is right. critical, right? right? Yeah. Every extra point yep. is critical. critical. Yeah, yeah. It played a significant part in the game, Man, right? Instead just of having, just it. kicking a field goal instead of a touchdown. Um, you know, I, I love Ray Ray. And so in the game, and I didn't notice until I just talked to, I was um, having breakfast with somebody because we couldn't, they didn't show the replay. I was like, Ray Ray, what are you doing? I played with him in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, and that Ray, dude, Ray I mean, McLeod. Yeah, the yeah. punt return. I'm like, he's six or seven years in the league now. I know he's a vet. What was he doing? But it hit somebody else's yes! foot. Yeah. And he was yes. able, he had to wear for all the seed and was trying to make a play. Um, and so, you know, just things like that that happen throughout the game that really changes the complexity of because they scored a touchdown right the next play, right after that, right? So, um, yeah, it was just that unfortunate. Was I'm a, I grew up a Niners fan. I grew up in the Bay Area, Oakland. Raiders were in L.A., so I don't have any allegiance to them, even though I played for them. Um, and so I was rooting for the Niners to come out and win this one, especially for all my family members that are, are Niners fans. Yeah, and it's funny you say that about that punt, too, because I think everybody had the initial reaction, and then you saw it. We got to see replay. Right, it was yeah. like, oh, okay. Because, yeah, he's been around. It's like, why would he just do that? And then as it turns out, he's trying to make the right play. But, you know, to your point, Kansas City doesn't mess around. It's not like, no. okay, we got the ball. Let's try some things as we're going for the end zone the very next play. Right. And, and that's what they're known for. They're very aggressive. And that got them, you know, really in the rhythm, I thought. Um, and it just shows you once again that you cannot allow greatness to linger. You have to extinguish <laughs> it as soon as possible <laughs> and give them no shot. Yep. to go out there and make a play, right, and Pat Mahomes and what he was able to do and um, in that fourth quarter to close the game out um, was just amazing to be able to kind of turn it on like that because he wasn't that good in the first half. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what I mean? That's what I was saying with just the way it built. It's like the first half made you appreciate what Mahomes did in the second half because you saw like how difficult it was in the first half. Uh, there's a lot more to get into with this game, obviously. Arizona Sports and Copper Blues, Desert Ridge is giving you the perfect Valentine's Day combo. Wings and Roses, order wings tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. and get a dozen roses courtesy of Cactus Flower while supplies last. Limit one per customer and dine-in only. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details. When we come back... The fallout continues surrounding the Super Bowl overtime rules and how San Francisco navigated them. What did Zoe think? The lowdown's going to continue. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Here we go, 15-year NFL veteran, Lorenzo Alexander, joins Wolf and Luke. A guy who epitomizes class, integrity, and is a true gentleman. The lowdown. All right, welcome back to the show. Lorenzo Alexander is here for the lowdown. It is Wolf and Luke on a Tuesday following the Super Bowl. I'm going to play this cut from Kyle Shanahan because, you know, he's been taking a little bit of heat for how he handled overtime. And then the story came out that some of his players didn't know the rules. And then, of course, the Chiefs were like, oh, we've been practicing the rules for four weeks. We knew exactly what we were going to do. Here's what Kyle Shanahan said as far as taking the ball when they won the coin toss in overtime. That's just something we talked about. None of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys. And we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Both teams matched and scored. We wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win. And got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold him to at least a field goal. And if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. All right, so I, it, 
if I'm playing against the Chiefs, I'm kicking because I want I don't want Mahomes to know exactly what he needs to do, and I, I just don't want Mahomes to ever have the ball last. But what Kyle Shanahan said right there, we were kind of talking about this yesterday. That logic's not like ridiculous. You just you have to score a touchdown, right. though. Yeah, you do have to score a touchdown for the most part. I mean, and their defense overall, I think, played and played well and at times stopped them. But we also got to understand, right, things don't happen in a vacuum. And even though that's what we would like to do, Pat Mahomes had just driven the field on them. Yeah. Right? And so you are exhausted. You can say whatever you want to say. I guess just give up the, the touchdown. But that's more like a defeatist mindset. Like, we're tired. We'll just give him a, he's going to get a touchdown. At least we get the ball back, and now we know we need to get a touchdown and maybe score, right? That's not how you compete, right? You want to compete to your your best ability. And so for my sake, when you when their defenses blow like that, all right, offense, you guys have been rolling. You guys have had the opportunity to come out throughout the entire season and show how well you execute on opening drives, essentially, right? And that overtime is, an, is another opening drive, even though it's not like a stop or play like you would get in halftime or in the beginning of a game. But they're known for going down and scoring. They got a field goal out of it instead of a touchdown. And then it gives my defense to rest so that they can come out and hunt up. The last thing I ever want to do is be on the field and not have the opportunity to be rested and go full full go. And after a drive like that, where you're already exhausted, now you want me to go back out here and compete against the best like in two stopping. Later. Yeah. Right? That's just not ideal in my mind. So I think there was many factors that went into that discussion. Um, you know, to the point of, you know, what the the, the rules are. I don't know how you don't know what the rules are at this point. <laughs> I can understand why they may Talking not have, about a player. Right. Yeah. I, I can understand why you may not practice it like like um, the Chiefs did because they've been they they've been in those situations in playoff games, right? When we think about the Bills going to overtime, yeah, and so they've been around it, so they know, hey, I've we've been in this situation, so next time it comes up, let's make sure that we practice it, especially when we get to these playoff games and making sure everybody's in the know. Because sometimes you you don't know until you realize. You don't know. Yeah, and and I'm pretty sure Super Coach Bowl. will grow from it, right? <laughs> yeah. It just happened to be at the worst time. Um, but it's happened before where all players don't know. It's just, you know, it's just, I don't know if I would share that information yeah. <laughs> after I lost in the yeah. game. Like, <laughs> I really didn't know what the rule yeah. is. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're looking at him like, he's, yeah, exactly. You I, just, I thought, I, just real quick, Wolf, I just yeah. I thought Shanahan took a lot of heat for that. Like, oh, yeah. you're going to let Mahomes have the ball last. He was trying to have the ball last. He was just thinking the third drive, and it never made it to a third drive. So I at least understand yeah. what he was doing. Uh, yeah, I, I I really, to me, I think it's just more advantageous. I, I think, this is just me, that it's more advantageous to know what it is you need to do to win. Yeah, And, and that. that, to me, is something that, um, especially when you got a Pat Mahomes, um, that is a dangerous proposition right here. I also thought maybe there was a... a a, a little bit of a tactic from Kyle Shanahan in regard to protecting Brock Purdy with some of the pressure that was out there, as opposed to him taking the ball second when you know what it is you need to go out and do. Right. Maybe that pressure, it, let's say Kansas City scores a touchdown. Now all of a sudden, Brock Purdy has got to take them down the field to score a touchdown to tie the game back up. I was just wondering if maybe he didn't really say what it was, one of the reasons why they went ahead and took the ball first, but maybe he thought it was less pressure on Brock Purdy at first. I guess that goes through my... It's just hard for me to think 
And, and I guess coaches are out of it, right? I mean, maybe they're emotionally disconnected from it. But as a player, I've played four quarters at a pretty high level, right? Not a game manager level because he was out there making some plays. That I'm going to say, well, I don't know if Brock is ready for this situation. Yeah. But he's going to put all this pressure on him. I mean, I, we practice all week. He showed me that he can play at this level. Obviously, they've done some, they made some adjustments in the second half um, that hurt that offense altogether. But I don't know if that went through his mind as far as I don't want to put that on Brock's shoulders. I, I really just think it was the best for the team, and that really wasn't an aspect of it. Because you, you trust your guys yeah, at that but it, point. But I, I know, but it doesn't really make sense then. It I, does if you are blown. Like, you just if, if went. How, how many plays was that drive? Anybody? I don't know. I just know uh, they were tired. It was about two minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, they marched right down the field on him. Yeah, I, it's it, what you're saying. Really, what both of you are saying makes sense. And honestly, I feel like what Kyle Shanahan's saying makes sense. The only too, thing I don't Patrick understand is, is the fact that players didn't know what the rules were. That that's the only thing I don't. And and honestly, and they put it up on the board and too. they said <laughs> it. Yeah, here, I mean, I got a couple of them. Here's, yeah. here's Eric Armstead after the game. I didn't even know about the new overtime, uh, playoff overtime rule, so. It was a surprise to me. And there's Kyle Juszczyk. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime. So I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really I don't totally know the strategy there. <laughs> and maybe he's trying no. to cover up. No, we haven't talked about it. No. Uh, Man, there, oh. there was somebody who said, like, I, I think it was Armstead actually later was like, yeah, I was reading him off the board as we were getting ready. Like, that's, that's, that's one way to do it. That's a fullback. And too, those guys, been, be in the league. Those guys been in the league for a while, though. Yeah. Yeah. So but you a fullback the is one of the brightest guys on the field, as you know. Yeah, maybe. You got to know everything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it goes the quarterback, and then it's the fullback, and then the center. Well, not okay? in this case, apparently. Apparently. I mean, how was the question asked? Was it like, hey, do you guys think Kyle made the right choice in going, keeping the ball? Because at that point, veteran guy, like, hey, well, I, I'm not really <laughs> sure what the rules are. I just thought we wanted to get the ball and score, right? Trying to cover for their coach, and it comes across to us like they don't know the rules. So I was yeah. like, how was that question asked? That's fair. Because that could be something. And plus, those guys did play in the era, because this rule is new what is it two years yeah. old yeah yeah right so you in in the heat of the thing you you kind of almost revert to what i know right <laughs> and it's that's something new what do i know i'm battling all day i'm going sometimes the heat of the battle you kind of revert to what you've known that's been truth for longer than two years so i think that probably played into it more so than them not actually knowing what the rule was. It, it does. You know, the NFL's, I, you know, I understand. They're trying to get the best possible scenario, right? This is because of that Chiefs-Bills yeah. game. It's, so I understand what they're trying to do, and I think they've kind of done it. I mean, I don't mind the rule, but they mm -hmm. probably are at a point now where they just need to, like, stay with it. They can't keep changing this every couple of years and then being surprised that players didn't know all the little intricacies of are the Are they talking about the changing it? No, no. But oh. I'm just saying it feels like they yeah, have yeah, yeah. switched around overtime stuff quite a bit in, like, the last 10 years. And there's Chris Jones afterwards just piling on the Niners. What's in your mind when they say they want this ball to start all the time? They're crazy. They're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because the overtime rules has changed where both teams get the ball no matter who scores. So, you know, uh, originally you want to let you want to let the other team get the ball, stop them holding the three so you know where you got. Or if you stop them they punt it, then all you have to do is kick three. That's probably not helping Kyle Shane. <laughs> No, probably not. <laughs>
but you know, again, that to me is the logic of of going ahead and actually taking the ball second. You know, defer it. But in the vacuum, the defense was tired. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The dogs is on the sideline getting oxygen. Hey, go back out there, stop him, right? Because you're not going out there. Well, just. Oh, you guys are tired. It's probably going to score. So at least we know we got to score a touchdown. Nah, I'm trying to go out there and compete. So I think some of that plays into it as well. Like we, I mean, we can't, we can't get on it without adding in all those factors. Yes, in a vacuum, statistically, what I would like to do is, yeah, let me give you the ball. Potentially, I can stop you. Then I know mm-hmm. if I need three touchdown, or if I want to go for two. Yes, but. In the scheme of everything else that's going on, we got to account for some of those things as well. Yeah, you don't get a 45-minute Usher performance again at halftime. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't going. happen. Uh, and you never really play three straight quarters without a break anyway. And we saw them do that on Sunday, right, after the uh, after halftime. Um, all right, we come back. Are we ever going to see another player quite like Patrick Mahomes? We'll get into everything he pulled off on Sunday. The lowdown continues next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.